before I get started, we're right at, at 10, 10 up, so um, we'll get started. But I want to uh, introduce formally, uh, although you all know Marilyn Dixon, but introduce her as the small group leader in a small group leaders training thing. Uh, she uh, was uh, detained in New Orleans last weekend, but um, I know, tough. But uh, we're so glad uh, that she is uh, on staff. The Lord uh, raised her up. And um, to follow in incredibly large, uh, fill incredibly large shoes that Jane had uh, left over years um, but of ministry here, but uh, she's doing a great, great job. So if you'll just come up and kind of give your sort of vision for, for small groups, and, um, and then we'll, we'll get started with the lesson. All right. um, Actually, tell you what, that's recording. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's going to be weird if, yeah, on the recording. There you go. I haven't she has to do what I say. <laughs> My boss. Um, let's start with a word of prayer, if we can, please. Lord, we give you thanks for this congregation, for the people uh, that are volunteering their time to raise up future disciples in our midst, and we ask that you um, plant yourself firmly in our hearts. Amen. Um, small group ministry uh, has been such a blessing to me. I joined the church in 2000. And I did not know anybody here, and it was actually just what I needed. I needed to be able to come into a church and be anonymous and kind of explore my faith or lack thereof at the time. And uh, it was a very powerful experience for me. But as, as you all know, that doesn't last long. You have to have community. And um, so I joined a small group or was um, insisted, someone insisted, a certain Jane insisted that we join a small group. And that was been, that's been about six years ago, I guess. And um, it's been a huge blessing to me. I feel very strongly about it because I feel like in a church this size, um, you can get lost. And while worship is amazing and, and, and should be very meaningful, I think it's, um, there's a lot of, you know, this is, this is um, a pretty unusual book here, and it's, there's a lot to work through, and I think it's hard to do that on your own. So um, it's a privilege to me to be able to work with people, trying to get people in groups or, you know, combine groups, uh, have new people come in, and I'm so grateful for all of you for what you're doing. It's a, um, it's a really important thing. As, as you know, the Trinity is a relational thing, and so we're all meant to um, exist in relation with one another, and the small groups provide just the community for that sort of growth to take place. So um, thank you, and I've got a couple of housekeeping things. Over here, I have this kind of... Over here, I have this um, handout that many of you probably got when you started leading the groups, but if you haven't gotten it, it's called An Agenda for a Healthy Fellowship Group Meeting. It's got great pointers just on how to, how to run a, a meeting. It's, if you're in a group right now that's lagging a little bit or having a little bit of a um, stale time, I'd go back through this and see if you can shake it up a little bit. Also, um, please take advantage of the resource library, which is located in the living room. If you walk in the doors and take a left, that whole wall there on the left has DVDs and books. I encourage you to go in there um, if you're looking for ideas for what to study. The bookstore can order a lot of those things for you. The DVDs you would check out and return back in. So just um, let Barry or I know if there's any way we can help you with um, preparing for your class. And, um, and also, lastly, um, on February 28th, um, we have a huge treat. Mike Hill, um, who is coming over from England, who's an amazing speaker, is going to spend the evening with small group leaders at Latimer House for sort of a dessert and coffee. So I really hope you can join us for that. We will be contacting you again about that. Um, and he's also going to be the keynote speaker at Canuga this summer, if anybody is interested in that. That's a, an incredibly um, powerful community setting that I just have met, gotten so much from. So 
Barry? I just wanted to say, in terms of the resource library, it really is a, a, a tremendous resource, and all of the uh, material that we have in the resource library has been vetted by the clergy. And um, so, uh, you know, it's been studied and cleared, and, and it's just a powerful uh, resource mm -hmm. that we have. So please go check it out. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, now here's what you came for. <laughs> uh, just uh, thank you so much for, for your ministry. Um, I, I think the bigger a church gets, uh, the smaller it needs to get. And, um, and so small groups is really where that happens. Um, a word about the resources to say they've been vetted by the clergy. Uh, like anything, you know, you, you chew up the meat and spit out the bones. And, um, and you know, it's not to say that every, every single thing is uh, right on par with what we teach, but that it's, it's healthy enough and we, we trust you as, um, as maturing Christians to, uh, to be able to, to uh, have a healthy perspective on that. And, uh, and to just take this, when we, when we give approval, it doesn't mean that it's on par with Scripture. It just means that uh, it's uh, worthwhile and, and worthy and and helpful, we think. So, so uh, all, in all things, as Peter writes uh, in Scripture, uh, tested against Scripture uh, in all things. Um, small groups is, I think, uh, an incredibly uh, important uh, place in, in, a, in a church like the Advent, where so many of our classes, our Sunday morning classes, are uh, sort of academic, expository, uh, exegetical uh, which is really good, but we don't uh, provide much of an opportunity in uh, Sunday school classes to share prayer requests and to um, have meal sign-ups if someone's in the hospital or, or things like that. And that, that's really uh, where small groups, uh, I think, become powerful. In my mind, small group is 50-50 in terms of, uh, of, of education uh, and uh, sort of uh, pastoral care or uh, community building, um, whereas you know this class is is really uh, I'm not taking prayer requests at the end. That might be a good thing to do in some context, but I'm uh, it, it's not. Um, it, this is really educational, and I, I hope it will be. That's sort of arrogant. Isn't it? Um, well, at the end of the class, you can tell me if that's true or not. But it's intended to be uh, educational. Uh, but but. And I hope you know you'll, you're having coffee together afterwards, and you're seeing each other. But it's really not community building. Um, you, you know each other, uh, you like each other, at least you tell each other you do. And, and the um, and the um, and, and but it's really in small groups uh, where you get to you, you open yourself up to the body of Christ. Um, so many um, people really think that they. I, I've talked to several people who come into this uh, church, and everybody's uh, dry clean, and they look their best. And, and they think they honestly think that they're the only ones that have problems. And small groups is where you sort of, if you're willing uh, to let down your guard a little bit, uh, that you're really able to see um, the gospel, where the gospel, uh, the rubber of the gospel meets the road in, in our lives. Um, and it really is it's incumbent upon the leaders to make that happen first. Somebody's got to do it first. If somebody doesn't, in, in vulnerable, somebody doesn't say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Uh, this is a temptation for me. Uh, we're, we're struggling in our marriage. If somebody doesn't say that, then, then nobody's going to go 
It, somebody's got to go first. If somebody didn't go first, nobody's going to go second. You've got to, you, leaders have to provide a safe sort of first um, step to say, I trust you, uh, members of the small group, uh, with this baggage. And I trust you to be good stewards of that and to pray for me. And what that does is it creates a safe place uh, for people to say, okay, well, I've got baggage too. And, uh, and so I think that's, that is, in my mind, uh, one of the most important parts about uh, small groups, especially in a church uh, that is just sort of set up and runs uh, like the Advent. The, uh, the title of, of the class uh, is To Live is Christ. And, um, and, and, you know, the total experience of our life is, is wrapped up in, it's, it's, it's wrapped up in the knowledge of, uh, wrapped up in the belonging to, uh, wrapped up in intimate association with Jesus Christ. We don't always live our, our lives like that. Um, we, we tend to, um, probably men more than women, but really everybody, we live our lives in, in compartments. And, and Sunday, and maybe even small group night, and whatever else, um, church in relationships we have with church friends aren't the same as we have with work friends and, and um, neighborhood friends and uh, dance class friends and whatever it is that, that, um, that the, uh, we don't always live our whole lives like to live is Christ. When Paul said that, what he meant was uh, his... Uh, he was he was on, in prison when he wrote that to the Philippians, and he was on the verge of he was staring his own death in the face. And he said, "To live is Christ; uh, to die is gain." Uh, to live was the full experience, day in and day out, of of walking with the Lord and seeing what the Lord had for him in in every aspect of his life. And and to die was to be with the Lord, but. But either way, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Uh, Paul was saying, either way, uh, Christ is always with me. And I am, I, am always, uh, I am always with Christ. And so life is lived as uh, the full experience of life is lived uh, with Jesus Christ. Now Jesus, uh, not necessarily in the model of Jesus Christ, but uh, many times I think we aspire to that He... Um, it's not be, trying to be like Jesus. Certainly, is not what gets us in the door of heaven. What gets us in the door of heaven is is the cross, and Jesus uh, trading uh, our unrighteousness, taking that upon Himself, and giving us in return His righteousness. And what gets us in the the, the door of heaven, uh, into that relationship, reconciled relationship with God the Father, is the right, robe of the righteousness of Christ that we put on uh, by faith uh, through grace. And that's that's all it is. And yet, uh, as we as we uh, move into that relationship with Christ, we don't just walk in the door and sort of pin ourselves against the wall. But as we as we walk into a relationship with Christ, um, we do want to aspire to be like Him. We want to hunger and thirst for righteousness, uh, as as He says in, in the Beatitudes. So, um, what I want to talk about today is is uh, Jesus was a prayer. He was he was one who spent hours and hours and hours in, in prayer. And I, I am not naturally a, a, a prayer. Uh, over 20 years of being a Christian, I feel like I'm sort of in the best place I've ever been, which is two or three times a week I have uh, maybe 20 minutes of, of prayer and, and written 
written down. I, I wish that I could tell you, yes, I, you know, I'm a priest and I, I spend, you know, I get up at three and in the morning and I spend about six hours in, in prayer. And as Martin Luther said, you know, I'm too busy not to pray. Well, um, you know, gosh, I wish I was that way, but I'm not. And, uh, you know, I got kids and, and uh, I got, you know, I got a job. And, and that's, um, you would think, that, well, part of your job is to pray. And it is, but, you know, there's, tell you what, it's easy, just like your job. It's easy to, um, to, to put that low on the priority list. And, um, and so it, it is a discipline. What I, what I really want to talk about um, is, is the Lord's Prayer. I don't have a lot of fancy handouts like, like Barry had last week, but, um, but I think we all know the Lord's Prayer. And, um, and if I want to talk about that as a way to um, bless your small group and a way to open your small group up into uh, to build that place of sort of um, comfortable vulnerability. If you want to, if you, vulnerability is, is sort of inherently not comfortable, and, and yet there's a play, there's a there's a sort of deep satisfaction of being really known by people in the body of Christ. Um, to be um, vulnerable is actually the most satisfying place in in our Christian life, I think, because we we have to really we have to really trust the gospel. Uh, that we we have to really, if we're going to be vulnerable uh, with as as leaders, if we're going to take this step and show people how to be vulnerable, uh, then we have to trust the gospel that we are completely all everything is met in Christ because now we're giving some something to somebody that they could take and break, and if they break it, you know what? We're still full in Christ. It could backfire. I hope it doesn't. I don't think it will. Uh, if it does, that's an opportunity to extend grace and to and to and to be a leader and to show um, show mercy and and to give instruction. But uh, but but Christ ultimately um, poured Himself out for those under the scope of His ministry, which is the whole world. And, and as leaders, uh, we need to pour ourselves out uh, for those under the scope of our ministry. And I, I just want to use, as Barry was talking uh, last week, I just kept hearing the Lord's Prayer over and over again. And, and so I, that's what we're going to go with um, today. So let's, we're going to pray together uh, the Lord's Prayer, and then we will um, kind of talk through each uh, step as, as a means of, um, I hope that prayer is a, is a part of your small groups, and, and it, just moving towards making it, maybe it a, a bigger part. Uh, of our small groups, maybe instead of uh, five quick minutes at the end, maybe 20 minutes, um, moving towards that anyway. And not every small group. I mean, uh, this is just something to, to think about and to pray about um, in your in your time as a, individually as a leader and to see what the Lord would have for your group. But just prayer should be an important important part. Uh, so let's uh, so let's pray the Lord's prayer together, and then we'll we'll talk about that. Our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Context. Um, we we get the Lord's Prayer uh, in part in in uh, Luke, but we're, that form that we just read is, is spelled out more uh, prominently in the um, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew six. And M- M- Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount has moved 
uh, out of, he, he's sort of in the second part of, of, his, of this sermon, he's, he's talking about personal piety. And he's, he's, um, he's contrasting uh, uh, an authentic piety, an authentic faith in the Lord with, with the faith of the Pharisees as they uh, sort of do things in order to be praised by men. And so people will say, wow, you know, that person is really holy. And he, said, he says, um, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. And truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need uh, before you ask Him. So don't... Um, I, I can remember praying uh, one time with a group of people. There was a, a man who... He was a strong-willed fellow. This is at St. John's before I uh, came to the Advent uh, in Charleston. And uh, he was sort of a strong-willed guy, older guy, probably he's in his uh, mid-70s, and he was getting ready. He was, but he was living on a farm, and he's always doing, uh, doing stuff all around, and and uh, he was getting ready to have a knee replacement. And we were praying for him, uh, you know, a day or two before his surgery. And this sweet uh, woman laid it, laid her hand right, right on his shoulder, and said, uh, "Lord, be with, with Buck, and just help him uh, to remember that he needs to not push it too hard." And he needs to, um, you know, he really needs to take it easy because this is a, he's getting older and this is a big deal, Lord. And, and uh, so just help him to remember, God, that he needs to not be out farming. And, um, and he needs to really just, she, she, was, uh, she was preaching, uh, not praying. Uh, she, she, was, she was speaking uh, to him and uh, uh, in, the, in sort of the, under the guise of, of prayer. Uh, but, and, and we can do that. Uh, gosh, we can, we can do that. Um, she wasn't necessarily trying to uh, impress him. She was trying to impress upon him, I think. But, uh, but we we do so many times we want to we want to be uh, appear devout or we want to appear like the leader. Like um, just check your heart uh, in, in that. Um, Martin Lloyd Jones says that uh, uh, prayer is beyond question the highest activity of the human soul. That's an amazing statement, and it's hard, I think, sometimes for prayer book Christians to grasp. Um, but if we can just, we, as he said, we don't have to, we, Jesus said, we don't have to use lots of words. We just have to, we have to be with, with the Lord and commune with Him. And sometimes that takes practice. It takes a little uncomfortable. Sometimes we, if we're not used to that, there's nothing wrong with pr- the prayer book. I can remember the transition that I made, and I certainly uh, am not immune to it, but I can remember the tra- transition I, I made from uh, reading the prayers to praying the prayers. Have you, have you, um, have you thought about that? Because if if the prayer book is, is am- amazing, faith-filled bones. <coughs> and it requires the Holy Spirit uh, to put flesh on the bones. As prayer book, um, prayer book Christians, as Anglicans, uh, we need to pray the prayers rather than just say the prayers. And gosh, we can say them, man. We can say them with the best of them. But, um, so check, check your heart. Are, are, is your motivation to impress others? And that's, that's something only you can, only you can answer, uh, you and the Lord. Um, Jesus instructs us to shut others out. Even, I think even when we're praying in a group, 
um, to shut others out, and we're just praying to God, and to shut ourselves in uh, with God. Uh, there's a, he says, do it in secret. There's, there's sort of a, there's an, in, an intimate uh, confidentiality uh, about prayer. Um, because God uh, knows what you're um, praying about, and, and that, he, that He knows is sufficient. Uh, it is sufficient that he, that he that he knows. Well, apparently my uh, printer only printed out my first two pages, but we'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, rely on the Holy Spirit. Um, okay. Huh? No, it's okay. It's okay. We'll, we'll just go. Um, uh, d- uh, so. So Jesus says, don't try to impress others. And he also says, don't, you know, when he's talking about don't be like the Gentiles, don't try to impress God either. God doesn't need to be impressed. Because you have all the merit and the favor that you will ever receive given to you, bestowed upon you as a gracious gift. Uh, he doesn't need for you. He doesn't, you're not going to impress him. Uh, so, so, uh, but he loves you. He doesn't need to be impressed. Um, so, so just be submitted. Uh, let him know. Uh, praise him. We'll, we'll, we'll get into the... The, um, the form that, that is given to us. Prayer, so prayer is, is more about being molded and formed and shaped than it is about being heard. Because God already knows uh, what you need. Now, um, if you're trying to impress God with how molded you already are, uh, then, then it, perhaps uh, we're not quite molded yet. Uh, so we, we want to, to be formed and, and fashioned uh, in prayer. So Jesus says, uh, when you pray, uh, pray like this. And there's really there's five um, uh, places, five sort of um, steps, and um, and the first is uh, doxological, and, uh, or cor- you might like do- like the doxology praising God, or you might say choral, like uh, joining the co- uh, choir of, of angels. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's that's uh, that's giving glory. That's that's praise. Um, and now. The first phrase, "Our Father," the the Christian life is inherently lived in community. We are inherently we are as member as Christians we are members of uh, the body of Christ. Uh, he's our Father. It's not just he's not only he is my Father, but he's not only my Father. Uh, pr- more profoundly than that, he is my Father. He is our Father. Uh, I am I am part of a body. Uh, I do not have exclusive rights to the Father. I have an intimate relationship, but I but I'm. I think we we live in such an individualistic culture that we forget sometimes that he is uh, that we are that we are um, part of not just um, across denominations not just in our in our country not just in our world today but we're members of the body of Christ stretching um, back two thousand years and stretching as far out into the future as um, as it as until he comes back he's our father but he's also our uh, Father, uh, there is that warm, uh, intimate, um, uh, caring um, uh, authority figure that, that God is. He's um, he's trusted. You think about uh, he's the best father. Sometimes when when folks sort of attach the, the word father to God, we impose our earthly our image of our earthly father. Uh, on God, and, and sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not so good. Uh, we t- our our fathers tend to be our first image of what God is, and and often, very often, our um, as you've probably heard before and maybe experienced that that what we think about God 
sort of in a, in a roundabout way kind of ends up looking like our dad. God's a disciplinarian, or God's a pushover, or God's really probably too busy doing some more important things. Uh, whatever it is, it probably looks like uh, you looks like or used to look at like at some point in our faith journey uh, like our dad. But he, but God is, is the best father. He is in all the ways that our fathers were wonderful. He's he's that much greater. In all the ways our fathers were deficient, uh, he is he's perfect. Um, he is he's willing to give us what we need over what we want. Uh, he's able to use the bad in our lives to instruct us and even to bless us. And above all, uh, God gives us unmerited love when we screw it up. And don't I know how many times when my children screw it up, that is, they don't meet my expectations, uh, they're, I've, you know, tell them to quit fighting and they, and, and they keep fighting or, or whatever it is, and I just you know, go off the handle or, or uh, you know, find myself where I have to apologize. Uh, that God always gives us unmerited uh, love. He's the, he's the perfect Father. So He's our Father, but He's our Father. Um, but He's in heaven. Uh, he, he's in heaven. He's not only, He is in our hearts and by the Holy Spirit in Christ, but, he's, but He is in heaven. He's, he's our Father. He's, there's an otherworldly, other, otherworldliness about our Father. He's, he is present. He is, he is incarnate in Christ. He, he's aware of all circumstances. He's aware of all thoughts, words, and deeds. Um, but his, his home is heaven. Uh, that's where the train of His robe fills the temple and the angels cry out, Holy, Holy, Holy. It's in heaven. He's there's a there's an otherness about God. He's not my buddy. I mean, he, he's he's our great friend, but he's not just our friend. He's he's holy. He's he's the heavenly Father, um, and, and he is hallowed be thy name. He's uh, hallowed means holy. He he is he is other. He, hallowed mean if you talk about like these hallowed halls of Advent Day School. He's uh, it's there, it's a it's a sacred place. You know it's um. It's special, but it's it, it, but even when we talk about the, the hallowed halls, it's, it's not um, it, it it pales in comparison to the the holiness of the heavenly Father. Um, it's sacred, uh, and and it and and it's not just that He's sacred, but His name is sacred. His name is holy. His name is the expression of His character. It's the way we know Him. The way that we call upon Him. Uh, it's the moniker by which He is recognized uh, and it is in itself as the expression of who He is. It is holy. And in fact, He is holiness. And so that's... that's we begin our prayers with praise. Our Father, uh, who art in heaven, uh, hallowed be Thy name. So you don't have to... You know, when we say that... that I mean, I can... I've gone through uh, church services... I thought, did we say the Lord's Prayer? I, I don't know. Have you ever? Done, you probably haven't done that. But I uh, have. I, I, I just forget. But uh, when we're praying, it's just so easy to just read it. Blah blah blah. We know it. we've said it since I mean, my kids could say it when they were three, and and um, and, and it's so easy to to forget uh, the depth of that. But when we're praying, when we're praying as individuals, when we're praying as small groups, to begin uh, with praise, doxology. Um, so next is, uh, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's circumstantial. So we have doxological or choral, uh, and then circumstantial. Uh, the, pray, the circumstances of our, of our life. 
uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now this is related to the holiness of God. We've just, we've just told God, not that He didn't know before, but he, we've just told Him, we've proclaimed that we believe that He is holy. Uh, we are um, posturing ourselves before Him as, as holy. And, and therefore, we want His kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, and His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God, is that's the place where God is reigning. That's the place where God is the King. Uh, and this is a prayer for the realization of uh, His holiness, uh, His worthiness, uh, for the grace of God to be recognized, uh, to be embraced, to be submitted to. Now think about this in the context of your small group. We, God, we want Your kingdom to come upon this small group in our hearts, in our lives, we want Your will to be done uh, in, our, uh, in our learning together, uh, in our small group. We want uh, it to happen right here in this little section of, of earth, just as it is in heaven, Lord. Uh, your kingdom uh, to come and Your will to be done. And when we pray, that these are imperative statements. We're telling God what to do. That's often what we find ourselves doing in prayer. We tell God what to do. Uh, which is why it's more about being prayers, more about being molded than about being being heard. But um, but that's how Jesus told us to pray. Your make your kingdom come, uh, Lord. Let please let thy kingdom come. It, it it's not a prayer that hev- we would sort of have heaven on earth, uh, but um, that that for the object of this prayer, whatever we're praying for, uh, that we would come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That we would come under uh, God as as our King, and can we pray that over our over our children? Uh, can we pray that over our marriages? Lord, Your kingdom come, and Your will be done. And can we do that all in the context of, of community? Because He's our Father. Can we do that in the context of of our small groups? Your kingdom come, and Your will be done. It's it's that's a global statement. We kind of we kind of pray that as a as a global statement. But it's also a, it's a personal statement, right here, Lord. It, it's a now statement, just as it is an end times statement. Your kingdom come right now, as your kingdom is coming uh, until His uh, His returns. It's a great prayer to pray for our families, fathers and mothers praying over their children, uh, but certainly a great prayer for personal issues within small group settings. I'm struggling we're, as, a, as, a, as a couple. We're struggling with, with um, our marriage, and, and, and we're, uh, you know, we're, my husband is, is, has had this uh, thing at work, and I just feel like work's the other woman. Or, uh, gosh, my wife is, is involved in this. And, and obviously, a husband and wife want to discuss this and decide ahead of time to, to talk about this in a small group, um, if, if it's a couple's small group. Or if, there, if you, it's a men's group or a women's group, nothing you say in that uh, ever goes out of that small group. That's a, that is a, um, that is a sa- that's a sacred place, and there's a trust bestowed upon that. But when you give there, you're praying uh, for thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, that's the end of my notes, so we'll see um, how we go from there. But that's a circumstantial uh, prayer. Um, give us this day our daily bread. That's practical. So doxological, circumstantial, practical. 
And I think this is hard for us, for most of us in our station in life. Um, I know it is for me. Uh, I'm very fortunate to be at the Advent. You pay your clergy well, and I don't ever have to worry about where my next meal is coming from. Um, I never, um, if I, I never lack for clothes. Uh, the heating bill gets paid if I remember to pay it. Um, and and I think it's hard for us, certainly hard for me, to remember that all comes at the uh, at the hand of God. And no matter what your station in life, that we are utterly dependent upon daily upon the provision of the Lord. And it's a daily prayer. And you know uh, how fleeting the, the things of this world are. And how, how wise of Jesus uh, to say that we pray that daily. Uh, but to remember, I mean, I don't think it's just, I don't think it's a metaphor. And, and it but for, for those of us who aren't worried necessarily about where our next meal is coming from, now there are some people in this church who are. Um, but, but for the vast majority of us, I don't think that... I think there's a temptation there to forget our, our daily need of His grace and His provision is down to whether or not uh, there's food on our table. Um, how gracious of Him. Uh, to provide so richly uh, each day. Now again, that's not everybody is there, but but most people I think in this parish are there. Isn't it interesting? After we've had a, a, a prayer of uh, doxology and circumstance and, and uh, practical prayer, the very first spiritual thing that Jesus tells us to pray for is the forgiveness of our sins. Forgive us our trespasses, as we also have forgiven uh, our. Um, those who trespass against us. Now, a trespass. Um, I, we're not before here. We were. I was at St. John's on John's Island in South Carolina, and those people have land. They got. They got. They live on. They all of them have, have farms, and um, and even those who don't, they, they tend to have have some land, some acreage around them, and uh, and so they understand what trespassing is, and um, you know, and and so they've got signs up to say. Uh, no trespassing, and, and you know, they, they lose their weed eater or whatever. And and uh, and daggone, they know what they know that a trespass is that somebody has has crossed the line that, that was not theirs to cross, and has taken something uh, that was not theirs to take. And if you think about that, that is a really good way to think about sin. Um, that that we have crossed a line that was not ours to cross. And that we have taken something, authority, or um, some aspect of, of um, relationships, uh, or we've taken something that was not ours to take, whether it be sort of um, uh, philosophical or whether it actually be uh, practical, uh, if we've sinned against someone. Um, you know, sometimes I think if I if I sin against uh, Amy or if I sin against um, my kids by uh, raising my voice. I've taken something that wasn't mine to take. Um, anyway, I, I, I think that that's when we trespass against God, we we take something that's not ours. We we cross that line, and we're asking the very first thing we're asking is is forgive to is to forgive us. 
this is putting ourselves in a posture uh, this, uh, of needing the Lord. This is this is asking. This is confessing, confessing, confession. Um, about and, and it doesn't. Uh, we do a general confession, but you will benefit the most if you do a a specific confession uh, in your life. Uh, if you're married, uh, confess with your spouse. Confess to your spouse. And there is nothing wrong with, and it may take some time to build the trust, but there is absolutely nothing wrong with. In fact, I think there's great benefit in your small group saying, I have sinned in this way, and I've asked the Lord for, for help. Um, and there's a great, that's part of opening ourselves up to the body of Christ, because He's our Father. Um, so, confession. Um, as we also have forgiven uh, those who trespass against us. Verse 14 and 15, Jesus says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now here's how I reconcile that. Because the gospel, what we teach and what I believe and what I give my life for uh, is that we're saved by grace and not by works. What Jesus says, you're not going to be forgiven unless you're a forgiver. Which means, if, unless you do the work of forgiveness, you will not yourself be forgiven. Now we have to remember that this is in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. And that is just one in a huge line of... Um, things that we cannot aspire to, cannot live up to perfectly. And the entire Sermon on the, Sermon on the Mount drives us to repentance. The entire Sermon on the Mount um, says uh, we cannot do it for anyone who takes the Sermon on the Mount seriously. That's why it begins with blessed are the poor in spirit because it drives us to, to the end of ourselves and say all I have left is, is a need for mercy. And if I don't get mercy, then I'm, in, I'm cooked. So when we summarize the law, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor yourself, that's a summary of the law. It's a summary, really, of the Sermon on the Mount, because the Sermon on the Mount is law. What do we say the very next thing in the service? Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Because we are driven. So this is, this is also driving us to, ask, to beg for mercy. And if every sin is forgiven through the cross by faith, by grace, then so is the sin of unforgiveness. So I, so I think that apart from grace, forgiveness is contingent upon our forgiveness of others. Now how does this work out under the, under the um, umbrella of grace? If uh, we see ourselves as sinners that are in total need of uh, demolition and restoration. Um, not just sort of God picking up our slack, but if we need complete, understand ourselves to be completely in need of a Savior and completely having received that, what, it's so humbling to have a, a, a Savior and to share, to share that need in, in community of your, your small group. If we are opening ourselves up to forgiveness, 
then it is easier to extend forgiveness to someone else because we see that their sin is actually a product of the same thing that we've been forgiven for. Whether it's somebody at work who's done us wrong, whether it's our spouse, whether it's yourself, um, a lot of times it's, easy to let, it's a lot easier to let God forgive us than it is to forgive ourselves. Um, but but as we, if we can forgive, if we can allow God to forgive us and be humbled by that grace, then it is almost impossible, I think, is, um, to withhold forgiveness. Um, and it's, I think we can compartmentalize and we can say that we're totally forgiven by grace and, and not let Jesus into that part of our heart. But if we, if we open, if we really do open it all up, and that's what I want to encourage you as, as leaders of small groups is to open it all up. And just say, gosh, you know, I, I've just, this, take, I just want to share something that's been bothering me for five years. This, this guy at work, and um, I, just, I just hadn't forgiven him, and I don't need to go into the details of it, but, but man, I'm just angry. And it, so help me, brothers and sisters. You know, I, um, I think that, that what that does for us personally is, is that it, it, it opens up and exposes shame. See, shame, shame has claws. And when when um, when we when we verbalize it, the, the claws begin to, to let go. Uh, when I uh, say to my to, to Amy, um, "Honey, I I did something today I shouldn't have done." I I um, it, it would <laughs> it wouldn't be called porn, but um, but it was it was a picture on the internet. I I just I saw it. I saw a link to it. and I I just I shouldn't have done it. And I I'm sorry. That that hurts Amy a little bit for for a minute, but it it, it verbalizes something that I'm ashamed of, and um, and those that those claws release, and also provides incredible accountability for the next time. When I can say that to a group of of people, if I can say that a group to a group of men on a hike, if I can say that to a, in a small group, then it provides vulnerability and trust. Shame loses its claws. And it provides a mutual need now for, for grace. It's a little uncomfortable. Um, but it's true. And it's real. And, and it's an experience of, of Christ's grace in now in community because He's our, our Father. Well, I... Um, at the end of my time, and I'm way past the end of my notes, but um, I um, I think I, I think the last verse, "Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil," is is the same. I'm tempted with this. Please pray for me. And, uh, and I'm just I want to encourage you as leaders to make prayer a uh, a, a really important, expected. Uh, part of your small group and to take that step and to be vulnerable um, appropriately in the sense of you're not betray- you're not um, surprising your spouse with this thing you're sharing with the group as, as they're sitting right there um, but make a decision together if you're married um, even to share that, that you are going through a hard time 
and let, let your body of Christ around you pray for you and support you in that. Because we've had, I bet several of you have had um, couples announce that they're getting divorced when you never knew in your small group that there was anything going wrong. I don't know, all kinds of other things, not just divorce. Lots and lots of other things. You have a man who um, <laughs> who sort of said, I've got, I've got, I've known about my cancer for three years, but I'm, it's really gotten to a point where I just have a couple of months. The small group never knew. That's he robbed he robbed them and himself an incredible blessing by not opening up. So I just want to encourage you to to open up. So let's let's finish with the Lord's prayer and then get out of here. Um, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.